नमस्ते एंड वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ द भारत वार्ता वीकली आई एम रोशन कार्यपा एंड आई हैव नीरव कनोद्रा हियर टू रन यू थ्रू द न्यूज एंड इवेंट्स ऑफ द वीक दैट वाज वी आर ऑफ कोर्स मिसिंग आवर फ्रेंड अभिषेक पॉल हु इज डाउन विद द फ्लू प्लीज टेक केयर ऑफ योरसेल्फ्स फोक्स आई थिंक देयर इज अ टेरिबल फ्लू डूइंग द राउंड्स बट नीरव हाउ आर थिंग्स इन सिंगापुर सिंगापुर इज लाइक हॉट एंड स्वेल्टरिंग सो एज यूजुअल बट आई केम फ्रॉम बॉम्बे व्हिच सरप्राइजिंगली वाज कूलर देन सिंगापुर द प्रीवियस वीक या Yeah, so Bangalore is uh, kind of baking at this point of time. We're about thirty-two, thirty-three, and uh, I suppose it'll go up uh, by Bangalore standards. I mean, this is warm, right, or hot as we call it. But yeah, uh, interesting week. Uh, this has been uh, plenty to discuss. Uh, Varis Punjab Day leader Amritpal Singh was arrested by the Punjab police. The Supreme Court is set to decide on the legality of same-sex marriage. The U.S. banking crisis continues post the Silicon Valley Bank fiasco. and then external affairs minister dr s jayashankar had a few interesting remarks to make at the india today conclave and the rbi is now allowing banks from 18 countries to set up vostra accounts for the rupee trade all of this and more on this uh, edition of the bharat vartha weekly uh, if you're a first time visitor we publish episodes on politics policy and culture focused on india and if you are a returning visitor don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite platforms it will really help more people discover us All right with that out of the way let's uh, get started with the news so uh, the Punjab police along with the CRPF arrested Khalistan sympathizer Amritpal Singh on Saturday the action came after Singh and his supporters stormed a police station in Ajnala last month demanding the release of one of their aides the Punjab government has also suspended mobile internet services and sms services across the state till sunday to prevent any law and order situation from escalating nirav we've earlier spoken about this uh, the fact that you know there are khalistani elements uh, and they're ratcheting up the narrative do you see this as an important preventive step oh yeah so one is see varish punjab day is a separatist uh, khalistani outfit and that needs to be stamped out what you saw was complete breakdown of law and order when uh, members of varish punjab day attacked a police station and demanded the release of someone who was arrested for a crime right and now this kind of like it's a kidnapping from the police so obviously uh, this needs to be dealt with it's a good thing that amritpal singh has been arrested apparently there have been 78 arrests and there are rumors that amritpal singh is again on the flee etc there are a lot of rumors going around we don't really know what's actually happening on the ground but i think this kind of thing we are seeing complete breakdown of law and order under this uh, government in the 1980s might just come back and what we saw at that time as well a lot of these guys were funded by pakistan who want a separatist khalistan and they are kind of giving like radical elements or you would call them people who are disillusioned and giving them money as well as like arms etc and arming them and you had bian singh and kps gill so the chief minister was bian singh uh the police officer was kps gill who stamped it out and you need like really strong hand to do this probably that's what is needed uh hopefully we kind of get some law and order situation improvement soon and uh, if this guy is arrested and there's a big clamp down on varis uh, uh, punjab day i think uh, that is uh, like a positive step but i think like this is going to be like a long drawn out uh, war right and uh, you'll see two steps ahead one step back etc hopefully we continue going on the same lines and uh, everybody does realize that punjab which was among the richest states i would say like in the 1980s and 1990s has slipped to middle it's a fluffy 15th richest state in the country right out of 30 states 
so there's been a big decline a lot of punjabi youth uh, don't feel that they have any future they all want to migrate to like canada etc right and you're seeing a lot of these kind of elements coming in and ironically they're being fueled by like pakistani groups whereas the bigger part of punjab is actually in pakistan like lahore and you're seeing more uh, gurudwaras being desecrated in pakistan and there there's not that big a movement and they want a separate country within india so anyways uh, all that aside i think uh, if amritpal singh has been caught he should be arrested and uh, should be arrested for ransacking a police station and kidnapping another criminal from the police and hopefully a uh, due course of uh, law and order takes place and he is given the appropriate punishment as decided by the courts yeah for those of you who are listening i would definitely recommend the ani podcast with smita prakash uh, where she speaks to lieutenant general kuldeep brar uh, who led operation blue star uh, back in the 80s and uh, it kind of outlines the situation in punjab uh, the circumstances that led to that eventuality and i think plenty of those wounds are still festering right and whenever there is a bit of a disillusionment with the youth Uh, as is the case at this point of time with uh, you know not many jobs available uh, not too much industry and of course the drug problem and so on uh, i think these old wounds sort of resurface so yeah, i think there is a massive development issue in punjab uh, you know we need to address sooner than later and i hope the aap government uh, kind of takes note of this moving on uh, the supreme court of india has referred the pleas seeking legal validation of same sex marriages to a five judge constitutional bench for adjudication and called it to quote a very seminal issue and an important matter uh, the apex court said that the issue involves an interplay between constitutional rights and special legislative enactments such as the special marriage act the court also said that one of the issues raised earlier relates to the rights of transgender couples to marry well this i think was spurred by some of the center's remarks on same sex marriage right and unfortunately it wasn't a very good uh, exposition of their position i would say if i might add myself uh, right where they said that it's against indian culture and uh, there could be social consequences beyond just this one uh, judgment itself right and i think uh, the law minister kiran rijiju also made a few remarks uh, post the supreme court uh, uh, saying that they will decide they will uh, you know uh, appoint this five uh, member uh, bench as well but it i think is an eventuality right i mean if you think about india i think it will happen the, the, the three main things are the article 14 article 19 and article 21 article 14 is the right to equality article 19 on right to association and article 21 i think looks at personal liberty and so on uh and if you consider that you know a lot of our constitution has been borrowed uh from the american uk uh, french constitutions uh, and so on right and uh, if you've seen the way it's kind of pla- panned out there in those countries it's uh, a matter of eventuality that if you argue the law right then this is uh, this is ultimately going to happen right um and we have uh, justice chandrachud Uh, right now who is uh, you know uh, well categorically woke right you've heard his remarks where he has tried to redefine merit right uh, to accommodate uh, you know minorities and so on and so forth as if they can't uh, compete on merit uh, right so so this is uh, pretty much an eventuality that will happen and uh, i think the government has to figure a better argument for its position the one thing i will say is uh, 
I highly recommend reading The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray, uh, right? Who, if I might add, is gay himself, right? Uh, where he argues, uh, you know, what has happened as a consequence of some of these liberal laws being passed, right? Yeah, I mean, one thing is that I think social sanction, social responsibility has reduced uh, over the years. Now, you may be for or against it, but it definitely has a consequence. Uh, and I don't think people should view this as... just the matter of a civil union between two consenting adults i think there are definitely consequences beyond that but of course i mean all of it is lost in the blaring noise of you know for or against it's a very very nuanced issue that i think you know sena minds will have to uh, sort of debate and uh, judge uh, i would say nirav any comments yeah so i think see it's a matter of civil society right and uh, all these things we have kind of slowly and steadily expanded our view on what constitutes like marriage or what constitutes a relationship uh, one very good thing was uh, section 377a was removed so gay sex uh, was decriminalized right so i think that is like one very positive step another one is it is inappropriate for like a group of five judges to just give one statement uh, which may or may not uh, be widely accepted by the country right uh the parliamentary representative democracy allows people to give that i think it is a similar issue you'd say like about entry of women into sabri mala temple etc right so i think sometimes we do live in a society and a society need not be perfect but we do evolve as a society right we are not living by one set of rules and which cannot be amended cannot be changed we've had like multiple amendments to constitution etc so i think as the society evolves and as the society kind of accepts uh, i myself personally feel that uh, what is there between two people uh, the state shouldn't interfere but also it depends on like we do live in a society and a society uh, has some broader norms and uh, maybe the right time the right way to communicate and as you said it's probably an eventuality and what basically what the marriage does is gives legal rights to the partners right in terms of inheritance in terms of say for example a lot of uh, companies do provide uh, uh, health insurance for uh, people and their spouses and if you are declared as a spouse that gives you additional benefits which would not have been available otherwise right so yes there's definitely merit in uh, ability to be married but you look at the world right see we live in a society only asian country which recognize same sex marriage is probably taiwan even in japan there is a big debate australia there is a debate australia didn't recognize it till recently right even in the west for example uh, in the us not all states uh, accepted it till recently right so a we need not copy oh it's been done in the us has been done in the uk etc and we need to do it now we need to see that when is our society ready and have like positive communication uh, to enable this change where i think then it becomes uh, uh, not a big deal at all See, it's this eternal dance of, you know, how much the society imposes itself on the constitution versus the constitution imposes yes. itself on the society, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think there is sort of a halfway mark there. I mean, there are people who say that you know the constitution should entirely mirror the society's aspiration, and you know, I do have sympathies with that. Right. Uh, and there are those who say that you know the constitution must be aspirational and it should lead people to this, uh, you know, uh, hopeful, optimistic future as such. Right. And 
I think when you look at civil unions and when we discuss, hey, should two consenting adults have the same rights as a married couple? You know, we think of, uh, as you mentioned, inheritance, gratuity, uh, so on and so forth. But it also percolates to other things like, um, you know, adoption, for example. Yes. Right. Uh, and so on, which can have a consequence on children of the next generation, right? Uh, it can have a consequence beyond just the two adults uh, involved in that union itself, right? And there it becomes a bit of a tricky matter, if you ask me, right? And I think the West has been a terrible example in terms of, you know, how to decide on these matters. Because if you look at how far they've extended this whole, you know, individual rights uh, over responsibilities uh, issue, Right. I mean, you're seeing some of the very adverse consequences of that. Right. Uh, so I think this has to be dealt with very, very careful consideration. You know, I mean, it's not as simple as, hey, I mean, let's do adult consulting adults do what they want. Right. Because there is a consequence beyond those two adults involved. Uh, all right, moving on. The failure of the Silicon Valley Bank has sent shockwaves across global financial markets. Uh, the collapse of SVB along with the rising interest rates have put pressure on several banks across the US. This has led to two more banks, uh, the Signature Bank and the First Republic Bank. Uh, Swiss financial services uh, giant Credit Suisse uh, narrowly avoided a full-blown crisis uh, this week after uh, Switzerland's central bank stepped in to help. Uh, RBI Governor Shakti Kanta Das has uh, cautioned Indian banks against any build-up of asset liability mismatches, saying both are detrimental to financial stability. Uh, well, Nirav, I think SVB has kind of exposed a larger uh, problem in the banking crisis uh, in the US, right? I mean, something which is systemic, uh, as we're seeing, you know, plenty of other banks as well uh, show some of the chinks in their armor. Yes. So see, what has happened is you've got maybe we are like a very uh, 14 years of like very low interest rates from 2008 to 2022 very comfortable situation and uh, in this kind of time a lot of mistakes which are like in easy times are overlooked and then what has happened is you've had during covid you had like uh, accelerator being pressed very hard a lot of money being printed rates cut to zero a lot of quantitative easing and then you're pressing the brakes very hard right and uh, this is kind of these are like unfortunate collateral damage of this kind of a system. But which is not to say that the banks themselves uh, did make some mistakes, right? For example, for like uh, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they had a lot of depositor concentration. Uh, they could say that, oh, I have a thousand uh, startups with $10 million each in their bank accounts. And that is $10 billion of like corporate deposits, which are usually sticky. But those are funded by just 10 VCs and these 10 VCs are on a WhatsApp group together. So what happens is when one pulls out money, everyone pulls out money. So that is the asset liability mismatch. We've always worried or like over the last uh, 15 years since the last financial crisis, there has been a lot of focus on the asset side of a bank. Are you giving too much loan to that one borrower that default of one take you under? But not that much attention was being paid on we have too much concentration of depositors and what if deposit someone withdraws because a bank, no bank can survive a run, right? So that is one. Same thing, you focused a lot more on credit risk that what if somebody defaults, but not, oh, if the government bonds won't default, but their prices can go up and down by changes of interest rates. So nobody thought so much about interest rate risk. Nobody thought that, oh, like uh, uh, securities in a held to maturity portfolio, Oh, it doesn't matter because interest rates over the next 10 years are not going to rise much. So I think this is one shock that 
they have had to deal with us banking system is also very fragmented you got like thousands of banks you got like big five banks which probably control 50% of the banking system but the rest is very very fragmented right so that is there as well i think we will see more regulation come in what they call the gsip globally systemically uh, important banks right they have a lot of regulation and they have been incentivized to actually reduce their balance sheet right and reduce international exposure so for example citibank also decided to exit retail banking in 13 countries india being one of them right also like in southeast asia china australia right so that was one of the decisions which was taken right and uh, so uh, this is what we will see most probably this is a uh, liquidity problem it is not a solvency problem so it's not as the banks don't have enough money as of day it is just a liquidity problem so for silicon valley bank uh, where a lot of data is out their government securities and the mortgage backed securities portfolio is being bought by goldman sachs on the asset side uh, there are loans which they are given to startups a private equity fund apollo is looking at to buy that right some other bank might look to take over all the deposits right so right now it's under the fdic so fdic will have once they make all these sales they will have certain number of assets versus deposits which are liabilities and somebody might choose to take it over because they were very well known for very good quality service very good employees i think on the employee and then service to corporate customers they were uh, top notch right and uh, the problem is yes uh, their risk management was bad and maybe they were looking at different things uh, and something slipped under the cracks but i think uh, that could be taken over similarly with signature bank of new york as well first republic is almost on the brink uh, they've had other banks put deposits in them uh, the fed has come out uh, so there are two programs one is a discount window which is you can borrow uh, against your assets which you own uh, from the fed on an overnight basis and they also have uh, btfp uh, which sounds like buy the f dip uh, bond and treasury funding program btfp uh, this is bank treasury funding program where you have old securities in your whole uh, uh, to maturity portfolio even if you had bought them at 100 and they are marked at currently 70 or 80% of face value you can borrow 100% of face value for one year at like 10 basis points over the current one year interest rate which is not too high uh, as i said you accelerate very fast then you break very hard there's going to be some people skidding and there's going to be some damage and we are seeing that all of this i think the world economic system can take it in its stride uh, there are a lot of lessons to be learned and even if you've not made those mistakes there's a lot of lessons to be learned from others mistakes so that we don't avoid them later right so it's very interesting times but hopefully we get it sorted soon so as a consequence uh, i think about 200 million or so has come into gift city banks uh, as well you want to talk about that yeah so okay that one is also i think see when people are trying to like move it around right they see wherever where do you have an account open and uh, where do you think it can go in uh, all i would say is i would not be surprised if things uh, return to normal a lot of this money gets out of the gift city banks as well again so uh, that's too early a victory to be called i think uh, gift city is a good uh, avenue it's like uh, the aim is to make it like the hong kong of china where money coming into india or money going out of india you have got a small regulatory kind of like sandbox where in this environment uh, capital moving in and out is easier and i think that's the role that it's going to be uh, i don't think it's going to be like an international banking hub or so 
and uh, happy to be proven wrong but i don't see it happening anytime soon i think twitter there was a lot of trolling on the fact that you know after the hindenburg report uh, on adani credit suisse said uh, stopped accepting bonds as collateral right for margin loans uh, uh, you know of some, for some of the group entities and yeah people were calling it uh, some kind yeah, so of i think see so i think on. see that is also like uh, I, i would not take it uh, like these are two separate events was credit suisse prudent on uh, not accepting adani bonds as collateral that is fine because they say okay i am not going to lend you against it because at that time they find it is risky my problem with credit suisse probably would be that they didn't do it for a lot of other things i think uh, they also had there have been multiple defaults in china actually and adani hasn't defaulted so the thing is you've been burnt once so you rather be prudent the second time and uh, maybe hindenburg was right adani stocks were overvalued which is true uh, that doesn't like you know it doesn't make that another another event which is independent like silicon valley bank can be overvalued and hindenburg missed to see that so uh, yeah it is uh, it is what it is it's just take them as independent events and take each one on its own merit are you following the nasim taleb versus balaji shrinivasan uh, sort of showdown that's happening <laughs> on on twitter balaji has uh, i think he has made a 1 million dollar bet that uh, bitcoin will go up to a million dollars uh, in about 3 months or so okay yeah so here i wouldn't bet on it as in and i have been like a crypto skeptic for a longest time i uh, regretted it as well and i think see the banking system does a lot of good things uh it has few flaws but think about it all the economic growth which has happened i think uh there are two major innovations in finance uh so one is the joint stock trading company which the first company is actually east india company which is a limited liability so as an entrepreneur if you start a company uh, your liability is only up to the equity capital right so that is one part and then like the debt capital basically what the bank is doing is takes a lot of deposits which are short term in nature which actually eventually could be long term but you have the option to take it out anytime you want and use a pooled deposit and assuming that not everybody takes out their money at the same time ability to give long term loans because people who need longer term loans they cannot rely on say i will return you your money tomorrow if you need it right you need somebody buying a house cannot keep going around and looking every uh, second month uh, to try and refinance their loan so they give long term loans to they take a lot of kind of risk free deposits and due to the pooling effect again uh, charge a higher interest rates and make a lot of risky loans and the net interest margin provides you for the costs <laughs> your employees your branches etc plus uh, is a cushion against any risks on defaults right so i think banking is very important for these things i don't know bitcoin solves anything bitcoin maybe is a good payment system so banking yes it provides payments right it provides payments it kind of gives you like a digital safe deposit box to park your money safely and in this safe deposit box they kind of lend it out so they create so they take credit risk and they take duration risk right and uh, bitcoin doesn't solve for those problems crypto doesn't solve for those problems right and uh, that is where i am i have been a big crypto skeptic i think uh, balaji shrinivasan is a very smart person uh, he was the cto of coinbase uh, he could be seeing things which i don't know so there are a lot of unknown unknowns we all have our blind spots uh, on this one i wouldn't agree with him and uh, i think on a lot of things nasim talib can be very arrogant rude blocks a lot of people on twitter 
uh he has a lot of original points that he no makes. no he he blocks only idiots and imbeciles <laughs> <laughs> i hope like as he says <laughs> exactly i hope uh i have not yet been blocked by him. i've been blocked by a few people but not by nasim talib uh, because i don't get into fights i don't want to get into fights and i don't want to is just such a surreal time you know i mean yes. all of this is happening in full public view yeah. uh sometimes i have to like pinch myself i mean <laughs> stuff like this you know what are the odds that you would be able to witness something like this 15 years back right i mean yeah, if it yeah. were even if it were totally, happening totally. so it was like a cocktail party conversation uh, where elites were there and now we are all exactly. members we are all flies on those, that wall right exactly but exactly. Uh, yeah so here i would like kind of uh lean on with nasim talib not that i agree on everything what he says and not that whatever i agree is with right right so maybe i am wrong or all three of us are wrong we don't know so uh keeping humility but i would not bet on that i think bitcoin has its own share of problems uh it is so volatile that it does not qualify as a store of value All right uh moving on uh, external affairs minister uh, dr s j shankar slammed congress leader rahul gandhi for his comments relating to china during his recent visit to the uk he said he is troubled to see him drooling over china while being dismissive about india dr j shankar said that rahul gandhi's one word description of china was harmony while his one word description of india was discord he also said india is the first country to consult the rest of the world on what they want from g20 and that g20 should not be an arena for the global north a lot of interesting remarks uh, that he made at the india today conclave uh, while speaking to rahul kanwal you know i only caught about half the conversation but i think the two things that kind of stand out are you know his remarks on rahul gandhi and china and he's right when he says that you know more people should be sort of alarmed or uh, anxious or scared about what uh, rahul gandhi is saying right i mean a prominent politician you know speaking at an international avenue uh, sort of praising a competitor while uh, you know putting down our own um, status is definitely something that doesn't bode well for uh, india as a nation you know i mean of course there were other remarks that very called him a panda hugger and all of that stuff you know on a serious note i think this is uh, this is definitely a fissure that you know others can exploit right i mean they they have been already in fact uh, right Uh, and on the china front i think he has uh, made it very clear that you know they had uh, he had discussions with uh, the foreign minister for china wang yi earlier and that uh, you know they haven't really delivered so we've all seen what's happened uh, on the border situation with the skirmishes and everything right and one of the things that he mentioned was that uh, you know the development of the border area right i mean the amount of budget has gone up by uh, something like three or four times uh, uh, over the last four five years uh, itself which is again significant right and and he says that you know uh, one of the uh, opposition's uh, points was that hey leave it undeveloped so that china will not feel like uh, <laughs> you know annexing it right which is ridiculous so yeah and, and in the same vein you know rahul gandhi also praised the whole uh, belt and road initiative and all of that stuff right talking about how they are connecting the borderlands and everything thing so i think it's you know you could call it confused but i think there is a sort of a sort of a narrative being aligned to you know what the what our competitors would uh, really benefit from you know uh, when you look at the opposition's vein of uh, uh, or our positioning on some of these things uh, right uh, so yeah as usual dr jayashankar uh, uh, made some very interesting remarks i mean the man definitely has a way with the words right uh, and i i don't know i haven't seen too many people articulate india's position as uh, 
well as him so i definitely encourage you to check out the india today conclave conversation i think it was uh, wonderful i th- in parts there is just absolute silence uh, when he says some of these things which is also such a treasure you know perhaps given the audience uh, own leanings right? so we should have like a weekly section on like jay shankar <laughs> comments on bharatwarta <Yeah. laughs> right because i think every week he comes up and obviously he has a way with words but he hits the nail on the head as you mentioned two three things right so one is like rahul gandhi where he says like he has been he went to cambridge and he says that oh we need to be saved or india needs to be saved then he talks about like oh china is doing such a such a good job etc right so he doesn't have any comments to say on how india could be delivering better for indians or what is his plan to do a better job india has like a thousand problems or like a million problems right and uh, obviously what this current government has done and i actually personally have uh, been to ladakh last year and uh, seen the quality of roads out there and i felt like why can't mumbai have better roads but you go and you look at the people they're all proud to be indians they feel that this kind of investment which has happened very f- fast uh, has actually transformed their lives you see enrega funds being used to build houses you see all the yojanas pradhan mantri gram sadak yojana going into the outside the highways into the village roads the small houses being built uh, under another uh, scheme you see solar panels and solar water heaters uh, being distributed and you see a lot of uh, lending which was being done uh, where which i would recommend everyone uh, i think the same is in arunachal pradesh and that's on my bucket list next is uh, a lot of young entrepreneurs they've been told that you can take you can take out a loan and buy like a few motorcycles and rent it out to tourists and these are all under government schemes which earlier were not available right and this is led to like more tourism coming in uh, locals getting a little wealthier uh, so their standard of life is improved and if that happens they're proud to be indians if on the other hand if they are undeveloped and they see across the border uh, if china has better infrastructure people are better off they will have sympathies to go and move towards being chinese right and you don't want that right you don't want that uh, this is a integral part of india so i think all this expenditure is probably 60 years too late but we can't go back so the second best time is now and uh, so best time was 60 years ago second best time is now and we are doing that right it's it's only when the railway bridge in chennai was being built we discovered lithium that was a happy coincidence and uh, maybe that transforms uh, the state of jammu as well jammu and kashmir as well but these are the things where i think the government is doing a great job and you don't have an alternative viewpoint or something how to improve things right so i think that's why you're going outside and trying and doing uh, making those random stupid comments and i think jay shankar has a very good uh, understanding of uh, rahul gandhi's own limitations and uh, he is the most articulate minister in the current cabinet right and uh, that's saying something given modi himself is quite articulate modi keeps quiet a lot of times uh, he says few things but says them well and uh, jay shankar external affairs uh, minister has been the kind of vocal spokesperson for this cabinet well uh, in more optimistic news uh, the reserve bank of india has allowed banks from 18 countries to open special vostro rupee accounts or svras for setting payments in indian rupees This decision is expected to boost India's exports and help avoid wartime international sanctions. 
Among these 18 countries, some of the notable ones are Germany, Israel, and United Kingdom. Nirav, we spoke about this earlier uh, when I think you know the the Russia relation had happened, right, uh, with Vostro accounts and so on. Even though these are not a significant percentage of exports at this point of time, uh, I think um, like from a signaling perspective, this is uh, pretty amazing, right? And it can actually build up to something significant uh, sometime in the future. So I think see two things. One is international trade can be like the prices can be set in US dollars, but then settled in another currency. So there is a Vostro account is like foreigners holding uh, rupee accounts in India. And there's an equivalent corresponding Nostro account where like Indians hold like in Germany, say a Euro account or in UK or Israel. Or I think the biggest, I would say, uh, biggest one might be UAE because uh, uh, India buys a lot of oil from UAE. And India exports a lot to the UAE. So that's where our trade is balanced. So this can allow you, one is circumvention of uh, US dollar payments. So can't be sanctioned on siding with anyone. So that's what we're going towards a multipolar world and you will see more of such multilateral agreements. Uh, second thing is, say when, two, when India is buying oil from uh, UAE and so we are not transacting in Indian rupees, you're not transacting in uh, UAE dirhams. But you're transacting in US dollars. So both of us have to keep like a US dollar account and some spare US dollar cash is kept there. So now the need of holding some spare US dollar cash kind of reduces, right? So that itself is like another positive. Uh, so all banking requirements, if banks need to hold uh, less number of US dollars outside, this reduces the demand for US treasuries a little bit. Again, I don't know how much actual transactions will happen in Indian rupees. If there is another positive that if these foreign countries hold a lot of rupees in their uh, India Vostro accounts, so the Indian banks have a liability of these rupee deposits. So on the asset side, either they can lend out rupees or they can buy Indian government securities, right? So this money, instead of if they had a dollar account, in, even in India for trade settlement, then you would be holding US dollar assets. So maybe there's a little more demand for like Indian assets. But this is all at the margin. I would say uh, this is very, very marginal. It's not going to be a huge economic impact. The biggest impact is in case of stress of sanctions, uh, you can bypass them via a different payment system and uh, settle your trade. So you will say, I will buy oil at $80 a barrel. If I buy a million dollars, million barrels of oil at $80 a barrel multiplied by our current uh, rupee exchange rate, I will pay you so many rupees. And then you can convert it to dirhams or you can choose to invest in Indian stocks or Indian securities or whatever because uh, UAE is a big trade surplus country. Maybe they choose to do that. Similar, I think with Israel, UK, Germany, etc. Uh, there may not be that much initial acceptance of Indian rupee or Indian assets, right? Maybe with other countries there might be. So who knows? Uh, it's all in all, it's a positive development, right? And this is also kind of internationalization of the rupee. Uh, making Indian rupee a little more convertible. So that's also like a positive step. Yeah, uh, definitely a positive step uh, for sure. And uh, that's a that's a great note to bring us to the end of the Bharat Vartha Weekly for this week. If you hung around uh, up until now, uh, don't forget to rate and review us. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to ask you this again. Uh, if you've done so, then more karma points for you. Uh, we have a couple of very, very interesting episodes coming up. We have uh, Abhijit Chavda in conversation with Velina Chakrova in the Velina Stock Series. Uh, Abhijit, of course, is a fascinating personality. I mean, he is uh, you know somewhat of an expert 
expert on history politics and plenty of other subjects uh, and has a very popular po- podcast of his own as well uh, so that will be a very interesting episode that we'll put out and also we have a sanskrit scholar from cambridge uh, rishi rajpopert uh, in conversation with amrit pande uh, and they're going to be talking about the relevance of uh, sanskrit uh, today and uh, uh, some of the nuances on that uh, so yeah two very very good episodes coming up uh, um, don't forget to share and subscribe and all of the other good things uh, so until we see you again next week uh, so from neeraj and myself uh, stay safe take care and jai hind jai hind